This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the health department reports 20 new deaths and almost 3,400 new cases of COVID-19. Florida's death toll has now reached 16,652. Joe Biden's campaign is making a final push to get out the early vote in Florida, and they're appealing to working families who've been hit hard by the COVID crisis, including first responders who face layoffs after risking their lives to simply do their jobs. Our frontline workers are being laid off, and each and every day, without relief, employers tell us many, many more will be on the chopping block just when we need them the most. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Fried is the only Democrat holding statewide office, so she's the de facto leader of the Florida Dems. Her biggest concern during the ongoing election can be summarized with just two words. Voter suppression. Uh, you know, we are seeing that all across the state already. On today's Sunrise interview, you'll hear from Peter Schorsch of Florida Politics. Peter also publishes Influence Magazine, and the new episode spotlights 100 influential players who work behind the scenes in Florida politics. So who's number one? We don't rank them because, God, I don't want to make everybody upset. You know, if I ranked them, the only person that would be happy is number one. And in the spirit of full disclosure, I need to point out Peter Schorsch is also the guy who makes this podcast possible. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events, and we'll check in with someone who wants to flip the script on Florida Man. The Florida Man here in our state is strong, is resilient. Sounds like someone's been spending too much time dealing with medical marijuana regulations. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, October 27th. It was on this date in 1962 that Air Force pilot Rudolph Anderson Jr. was killed when his U-2 spy plane was shot down over Cuba. His death may have saved millions of lives. That was the moment when U.S. and Russian leaders realized the Cuban Missile Crisis was spiraling out of their control, and the next step could lead to war. Both sides backed down. The state health department reported 3,377 new coronavirus cases and 20 more deaths Monday. More than 782,000 Floridians have now contracted the disease. The death toll has reached 16,652. There have also been signs of an uptick in COVID cases, and a report from the White House Coronavirus Task Force says the state should be closely tracking the data and reacting with increased mitigation, advice the governor has pretty much rejected. Florida is ranked third in the nation for the number of infections, trailing California and Texas. Hurricane Zeta is headed toward the Yucatan Peninsula, and the track is very similar to Hurricane Delta. Once it clears Mexico, the system is expected to head for the Gulf Coast, and this is the third storm in a row that includes northwest Florida in the Cone. Emergency management officials are warning residents there to set aside seven days' worth of supplies, prepare for heavy rain, wind, and potential storm surge later in the week. Former President Barack Obama is making a campaign stop for Joe Biden in Orlando today. It's a drive-in rally where the audience stays in their cars or sits on top of them. First daughter Ivanka Trump is hosting two events in Florida today, one in Sarasota, the other in Miami. And Biden himself is back in Florida on Thursday, traveling to Broward County and Tampa as part of an in-person blitz in the final week of campaigning before Election Day. The Biden campaign held a series of press conferences across the state Monday, reminding people time is running out to get those ballots in the mail. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Fried returned her ballot to a drop box in Leon County. And if she sounds a bit muffled, it's the mask. This is the moment that we have been waiting for and working towards. This is our moment to get our voices heard. The future of our state and our country is being determined right now. Working families have so much at stake during this election. If you like a safe workplace and working conditions, if you like good paying jobs with dignity, if you like access to affordable health care, if you like having a retirement that you can count on, 
if you like a country where all the players have a fair shake, then the choice is clear this election. Joe Biden gets what matters to working families and will protect the right of workers to bargain successfully to what they deserve. Meanwhile, the failure of Donald Trump and his enablers like Ron DeSantis have led to more than a million Floridians who have lost their jobs, not to mention the over 225,000 Americans who have lost their lives. In the middle of this health crisis, Donald Trump's plan to rip away the health protections of over 100 million Americans with pre-existing conditions. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are the only ones with a plan. They'll beat COVID-19, help us reopen safely, get real economic relief to our families, protect our health care, strengthen our unions, and create millions of good-paying jobs. Freed says her biggest concern about this election can be summed up with two words, voter suppression. You know, we are seeing that all across the state already. Um, we're seeing it in supervisor of elections offices that are putting out misinformation on ballot initiatives. Um, we're seeing it on, on targeting of trying to put fear into people about long lines, um, about not coming out to vote. Um, so we've got a, a, one of the largest vote, uh, protection teams in the entire country. We've got 2,600 lawyers all across the state of Florida who are going to be at the, at the actual polls. They have been going through and curing ballots as we speak. Um, so, of course, that is our greatest concern, is that they try to misrepresent what is happening at the polls and trying to, uh, to spread this information uh, that your votes are not going to be counted when that is absolutely not the truth. Freed was joined at this press conference by the unions because they wanted to make a point about working families. Chris Serrano with AFSCME, the American Federation of State, County and Municipal Employees, says first responders who put their lives on the line every day are facing layoffs because the president and Republicans in the Senate will not pass another coronavirus relief bill. Joe Biden will support the workers who are putting themselves at risk to beat back the pandemic and get the economy moving again. While Floridians are hurting and desperate for federal leadership, Donald Trump has failed to get help for our businesses and schools, for struggling families and for those who are unemployed. And because of Trump's failures to get a deal on the HEROES Act, our frontline workers, our nurses, our sanitation workers, our first responders and many others are being laid off and each and every day without relief. Employers tell us many, many more will be on the chopping block just when we need them the most. If you are out of work, if your business is closed, if your child's school is shut down, and if you are seeing layoffs in your community, Donald Trump decided that none of that, none of it matters to him. He abandoned us. He turned his back on every single Florida worker whose job hasn't come back yet. He turned his back on families struggling to pay rent, put food on their table, and take care of their kids. We cannot let him have another four years. We cannot let him and his friends in Congress take our frontline workers for their dedication to our communities with pink slips. A lot of union members supported Trump during his first run, but Rich Templin with the Florida AFL-CIO says the president squandered that support, and he says the governor still refuses to recognize just how badly his administration screwed up when Florida's unemployment system collapsed during the early days of the pandemic. Templin says the system is still foobar. Just under 40% of union members registered to vote in Florida are registered as Republican. 
we're talking to those members. We're reaching out to them in a very patterned, systemic way. And what we are hearing back is they're done. They're, they're, they're done with the chaos. They're done with everything that they've been through over the past four years. Ron DeSantis is not talking to workers when he espouses that fantasy. We have entire local unions, thousands of people in these locals that are unemployed. They haven't gotten any benefits from the state's broken system. They didn't qualify for anything from the federal government because we pay so low in Florida, they didn't qualify. That is still happening. My phone rings every day with people looking for help. So it really kind of ticks me off when, when DeSantis walks around and spreads that fantasy. Speaking of everyone's favorite fantasy, there's a new boss at the Florida Lottery. John Davis was executive vice president of the Orlando Regional Chamber of Commerce. Before that, he served as president of the African-American Chamber of Commerce in Central Florida. He also serves on the Florida A&M University Law School Dean's Advisory Council. He's a native of Pahokee, earned his bachelor's degree from FSU, and played safety for the Seminole football team. Next up on the Sunrise Interview, a conversation with Peter Schorsch about the Influence 100. Schorsch is the publisher of FloridaPolitics.com and is responsible for this podcast. He also dabbles in old media, in this case, an actual magazine. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Today on the Sunrise Interview, a conversation with Peter Schorsch with FloridaPolitics.com. He's also the publisher of Influence Magazine, although maybe this year it should be called Influenza Magazine. That would have been that would have been a perfect name for this year's edition because uh, I got to tell you, logistically, it was really hard, and it still is now. This is two issues that we've uh, published in a pandemic, and it is really hard publishing a magazine because. You know, magazines are by nature they're tactile, and you got to be in person, and you got to you got to sh- do photo shoots, and you got to get out there and report. And so um, it was a challenge. It was more of a challenge than you would imagine uh, trying to get that done. So every edition of, of the magazine is different, focusing on one specific occupation entity. You know, the, the movers and shakers in a particular field. So what's up this edition? This is the Influence One Hundred. Um, we do this once every two years, right before the election, and we take stock of basically who's been up, who's been down, um, and it's the 100 most influential people in Florida politics. We don't include, obviously, like elected officials, because Ron DeSantis would, of course, be number one, uh, or agency heads or mayors or things like that. And so this is all the, um, this is all the people, the in-between, the chief of staff, the lobbyists, the political consultants, the uh, fundraisers. All of those people uh, that make up the process, and including the media, um, we put. I come up with a list. We uh, have a little bit of a selection committee, um, but it's interesting. Um, the thing that's most interesting, that's our third iteration of it, is really how much it's changed from uh, just four, uh, three and a half years ago. That so many of the people that were on top uh, in 2016, um, they're not even in the honorable mentions category anymore, and it's not necessarily negative. They're just they're just out of the process in a lot of ways. People like Sally Bradshaw, uh, who is you know a big deal in uh, in 2016 on her list, 
you know, she's kind of moved down. But I will defend Sally to the death because she runs the best bookstore in Tallahassee. Well, we always include her, actually. She does stuff still for our magazine, but she's just one of these people that, you know, in this age of Trump, so many new faces have come along. The Some of the political consultants that were a big deal five, ten years ago, um, you know, they're just not doing stuff in Florida. And, of course, you know, it's always a challenge. You know, the Republican to Democrat dynamic, you know, the, the list is going to be dominated. But the thing that I am, like, kind of most proud about this list is, uh, if you look at the cover, it is all faces of color. We really went out of our way without beating people over the head with it to showcase some of the uh, powerful black people that are involved in the process. The lobbyists like Sean Pittman, uh, change agents like Desmond Mead, um, advocates like Ben Crump, and then you know industry leaders like Marva Johnson. And so um, this, I, I really... We, we also included a couple of other features, and so I don't want to say that this is the Black Lobbyist Matter edition because I didn't want it to be, I didn't want it to be tokened. I want this to be more of where we're coming from uh, as we as we you know it, you know cover the influence industry. Is you know there's a lot of white folks that influence a lot of other white folks, but who are the people that you know that are influential in South Florida's you know Haitian community, and who are the gatekeepers to you know, the Miami-Dade Hispanic community that's so key to this election. So we, we did a lot of work on that this time. So how do you go through the process of picking the people behind the scenes? Because by their very nature, we're not supposed to be knowing what they're up to. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good question. We, um, you know, one list uh, begets another list. And so we started in 16 with kind of a selection committee of about uh, 10 other people whose opinion I always, that I really respect, asked them to put together lists. And then um, you know, we continue to do that. And so, you know, each year we also do our uh, Golden Rotundas for the magazine, which is like our Academy Award. So we pick up a lot of names there. You know, we do our winners and losers list after the elections. And so we track, you know, we know which consultants had a really good year. You know, the, the, the weird part about being a political consultant is you can bat, you know, you can be like a baseball player. You can bat 300 and still make the all-star team. And so we've got to kind of cipher through that. And so, you know, we run a lot of that by other folks. A lot of this is like, you know, it's like the U.S. News and World Report rankings where it's, you know, what is one academic institution think of another? And so it's what is one consultant think of another? And you got to kind of balance out all the grievances and grudges and passive aggressiveness, and that's how you kind of get to this list. But when it's done... It really makes sense to the other people on the list. There isn't a lot of people who are like, oh, man, you totally left out this consultant or anything like that. It seems like uh, the industry knows how to – the industry knows who's at the top of it, the game. So do you uh, care to disclose any of the top ten or top five, or did you even rank them that way? We don't rank them because, God, I don't want to make everybody up, uh, upset. You know, if I ranked them, the only person that would be happy is number one. Number one would probably be somebody like – you know, Brian Ballard uh, or, you know, chief of staff, Shane Strom, that would probably, those would probably be the number one or two. Right now, I can tell you who are definitive number one this year. It's the only time we're probably ever going to do it. Um, we kind of uh, used a backdoor loophole in our own rule about no elected official, and we put on Casey DeSantis. Uh, there's probably no un- non-elected officials more uh, influence on state government than the First Lady, so she was featured in the magazine uh, this time around. 
And how does one get a copy of this magazine? At InfluenceMagazineFlorida.com. Uh, $25 for uh, four um, editions each year, and we'll be happy uh, to send those out to you. We're still old school. We still print a product, which, you know, nobody, uh, you know, nobody believes that the blogger guy uh, knew how to print a product. But we, um, like, we like having something to hold, especially, you know, when we're on the throne or other places. <laughs> I think we should leave it there. <laughs> All right, influenza one hundred. I haven't heard "on the ready. throne" used for a while. <laughs> Your calendar of events begins at noon when Florida A and M University President Larry Robinson speaks at an online meeting of the Economic Club of Florida. Trustees of Broward College meet online at one. Trustees at Indian River State College meet at 3.30 in Stewart. The Florida Hurricane Catastrophe Fund Advisory Council meets by conference call at 1.30. The new College of Florida trustees meet online at 1.30. The trustees of the College of the Florida Keys meet online at 2. The Florida Talent Development Council meets at 3. The Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission begins a series of webinars starting at 6 about rule changes for waterfowl and restricted hunting areas. And at 7, Florida International University holds an online panel discussion titled Fake News objectivity, subjectivity, and the search for truth. A Florida man who works as a pastor is being sued by a teenager who claims fake pornographic images of her were posted online from a computer in his home. She sued Pastor Jason Lane and the Skyway Community Chapel after the Manatee County Sheriff's Office investigated and said they couldn't prove who actually posted the images because several people in the pastor's home had access to that internet address. The lawsuit claims she suffered shame, embarrassment, and emotional pain and suffering because of the incident. A Florida man is accused of stealing a bulldozer, driving it into a black neighborhood, and knocking down Joe Biden campaign signs. The Haines City Police Department has charged 26-year-old James Blight with grand theft auto and trespassing. Witnesses say he wiped out the yard signs, several fences, and even a speed limit sign, all in full view of the neighbors. Police say Blight claims he was too drunk at the time to remember what happened. And finally today, a Florida woman is proposing a makeover for Florida man. It's actually my fault. During Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed's press conference, I asked her who was the real Florida man, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. Instead of taking a shot at the boys, Freed replied that it's time to rehabilitate Florida man. Insert Nikki Freed, Trump, not Florida man. Sorry, Nikki. It's going to take more than one election to change the image of Florida man. That's it for today's installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.